0: Hello, and welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves.
1: When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy.
0: And I'm Ross Blotcher. And in this episode, we will continue to tell you of our tale of Scientology.
1: Scientology don't. Scientology don't. What? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, like when things end with "do," people will say more like Zana don't.
0: <laughs> right. So
1: I'm saying more like Scientola don't. I think
0: Elron right? Hubbard. Good one. Specially crafted that word so you could not do that. Yeah, you're to right. It.
1: Scient- Someday Carrie Scient- will attempt <laughs> this
0: and I'm going to block her efforts. Yeah,
1: he knew. He knew everything. Well
0: done, LRH.
1: LRH.
0: So uh, if you've been following our adventures, and we recommend you do if you haven't heard them yet, we visited the Church of Scientology, we took our personality test. Ross signed up for a personal efficiency course. Carrie and Drew went to a New Year's Eve party.
1: And ended up in a Sea Org meeting. (laughs) An informal one.
0: And now I, Ross, am going back to the Church of Scientology for an advanced personal efficiency course to work my way up toward the foot of the bridge.
1: Just to clarify, this is all past now. You're not like doing it now.
0: Yes, I am recalling a course that I have taken in the past before the exciting conclusion of our Scientology
1: Which will be amazing. investigation Yeah. So this is our third episode in a series. We actually don't even know how long the series will be. Yeah, but, we're not going
0: to make any promises.
1: <laughs> but if you haven't listened to episodes one and two, I'd say go back if you can. Unless you're listening to this in someone else's car, in which case, respect the driver. The driver gets to choose the music.
0: There we go. We've officially cited on the side of driving truth and justice
1: and driving and driving. <laughs> so you had already taken the like sort of personal efficiency course
0: intro, mm-hmm. I guess. I'll spoil this in advance. I don't think this advanced personal efficiency course had much to do with efficiency. Uh oh. It was more a here's how to get into Scientology course. Okay. Well, the name of the book that they gave me with this one wasn't Problems of Work, as it was the first time around. It was Scientology, the Fundamentals of Thought.
1: Oh, great.
0: Yeah, so really this course is Fundamentals of Scientology. And
1: you're holding it. Can I see the cover? Yeah, here you go. Oh, yes. Okay, I've seen this one before, maybe with you. So the picture is a tree, gives kind of a tree of life vibe. But it's exploding out of like this rocky terrain. It's like, how did this tree get there and survive and thrive in this rocky terrain? And I have a feeling the tree will be a symbol for me.
0: It's funny because I did ask later, like, what is the symbol of this tree? And he's Uh like, oh, I guess it's just kind of life.
1: Okay, cool. Well. so
0: It's not that central, <laughs> which actually this will come up during our Dianetics investigation, but the cover illustration doesn't always directly relate to what they're teaching. Here.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's just plain confusing or looks like local Los Angeles billboards about syphilis.
0: <laughs> so I went back to the Church of Scientology one Sunday morning equipped with-
1: More like sun don't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bearing my four receipts for having paid $100 for this course and book.
1: Now, let me note, it's pretty fun that a personal efficiency course would give you four receipts. Kind of <laughs> inefficient, you might kind say. Kind
0: of uh, redundant. And then they'd also given me, I've got a little ticket here, a kind Ooh. of a Willy Wonka-style ticket saying that I have paid for the advanced personal efficiency course, my $100 individual donation. And, oh, it says here six hours.
1: Okay. I'm quite certain.
0: They told me it was going to be five hours.
1: I bet it wasn't even six, though. I bet it was longer. You're
0: right. Now that I look at this, though, like, oh, okay, at least it says six hours here. I could have looked at that. I was also equipped with this bookmark, which tells me the importance of Scientology, the fundamentals of thought. Okay. You may have been taught that the mind, spirit, and life are very difficult things to know about. This is the first principle of Scientology. It is possible to know about the mind, the spirit, and life.
1: There you go. That's the first principle.
0: It's possible to know these things, Gary.
1: I mean, I'm all for that. You know, there is truth. Truth exists. So if you believe there are questions, you have to believe there are answers.
0: All right. So, yeah, I showed up and uh, the first.
1: Wait, I'm taking it back. There's some truths we'll probably never know. Sure. But I believe they're knowable. So, yeah. Okay. I kind of agree. I kind of don't. All right. All right. Go on. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> so as I came in, the very first person to greet me was Roger, okay. our friend, and he wanted to know about you. He told me, that Carrie, she's really smart. Ah, huh. Yeah, and he respected that you wanted to think about it, but uh, he wanted me to check with you and make sure you got back to him about taking a course for yourself. Okay. All right. Sweet. That was his deal. And then he had more paperwork for me to fill out. So I'm filling out my little disclaimer and signing my initials on multiple pages. And then he procured me another receipt that he then like turned back to the desk. So I don't know what the point was, but they want paperwork on their end too.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure.
0: And I told him a joke and he totally didn't get it.
1: Yeah, we'll learn repeatedly that Roger, while very sweet not so quick to understand jokes.
0: Got a blank stare on that yeah. one. So uh, so then Ben came to pick me up. You know, we've described him before. My buddy who taught me the the first class. I don't know if I'd mentioned, but he and I had developed a uh, a shared love of Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the new movie had just come out like that weekend, and so we were busy talking about it. And he
1: The did... Force Awakens. Very cool. Yeah. Episode look at me. Seven, Somehow the Force I accidentally absorbed that.
0: Impressive. Thank well, you. all those billboards are paying off. <laughs> uh, and so. Uh, we were comparing notes on that. He didn't like the film.
1: Oh, boy. And, and
0: he's like, well, I liked it, but I had a lot of problems with it. But for all of you worried out there, it turns out later he saw it a second time. He liked it much better. Oh, it was great.
1: thank God. Yeah.
0: So. Whew, right.
1: Now, just for people who are joining us for the first time. Hello. I know nothing about Star Wars. This yeah. is an ongoing <laughs> problem in our friendship.
0: Yeah. Pretty, pretty much any like sci-fi property or fantasy, Carrie knows nothing about.
1: Unless we're talking about fantasy like Disney movies.
0: Oh, yeah. I got you covered.
1: But the kind of like fantasy that's like Tolkien esque.
0: Yeah. Not even like Harry Potter, right? You don't know any. No.
1: I, I, okay. I saw a little, I saw the first Harry Potter movie Mm -hmm. and I read a little bit of the first book, but I just was like, eh, this isn't for me. I, but I didn't feel like strongly. I was just like, meh. Then I tried to watch Lord of the Rings and I was like, I hate life. Chop off my foot. It would be more interesting. Like I was just, oh boy.
0: I'm glad we didn't have this conversation early on because you and I might have never been friends.
1: (laughs) Uh, But you know what I do love sci-fi wise is hard sci-fi. Like I like I like dystopia a lot. Oh, you know, give me some Gattaca. Bring that up in here. Oh,
0: nice. What about like The Martian? That's hard sci-fi. I
1: haven't seen it yet.
0: Oh, okay. See, and the book is great too. Okay, yeah, absolutely. All
1: right, all right. Glad we had this.
0: Well, Ben knows where it's at. Our classes. As we're asking questions, we're filled with Star Wars references, right and left, you know, because that's how we relate to each other. Sure. Just so you know.
1: Wonderful. So I've
0: I've spared you from that so far.
1: Friends you are. (laughs) (laughs) See, I know something. Awesome. I know it should be more like I'm giving you advice. It's like, friendship, (laughs) it is what is good.
0: No, it's okay. No, I'm just impressed you're speaking in Yoda's inverted <laughs> sentences. That's great.
1: Oh, trying. All right, go on.
0: All right. So, so he invites me to uh, finally we get our classroom. Uh it's another little kind of improvised class with the TV screen. I was looking at all these videos he's showing me for a while. I was like, "Why are they like so oddly stretched? Like there's this really weird camera thing happening." Turns out it was just like the TV had some mode where it would stretch a four-by-three ratio image out to fill the widescreen. How stupid. Yeah, it looked ridiculous. That's what
1: aspect ratios are for. I
0: know, and I finally kind of called him on it, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's doing some weird thing. Sorry about Uh that. It wasn't the filmmaker's fault.
1: The filmmakers who, by the way, mostly out at Gold Base, I think.
0: Yeah, they've got a video production facility down there. You um, occasionally hear stories from people who work down there. Yeah,
1: and a couple times I've gotten casting notices, but it always says something about, like, you're not going to be able to disparage the Church of Scientology after this, FYI.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. the kind of stuff you agree to. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, this class followed the format of the first one where Ben would set up a series of definitions and, you know, kind of pre-gauge the conversation and then show me a video. And then we'd talk about that video and I'd give examples and fill out papers. And so... He started out right from the beginning. He gave me a, an outline. There was a nice program that was going to show me all of the chapters we'd be covering. Uh, no glossary in this one.
1: Whoa, hang on, hang yeah. on, hang on. I know. First of all, I don't know what the word glossary means. I need to look it up in this dictionary.
0: He was going to define everything for me anyway, so I told him, don't sweat it.
1: For anybody, again, if if you're like, what? What are they talking about? You need to listen to episodes one and two, then you'll understand. Okay, go on, Ross.
0: Yep, yep. So we define the words fundamentals, the basics of something. (laughs) Summation, that's a summary. (laughs) Forerunner. uh,
1: Something which came before.
0: Oh, very good. Spirit. What's that, Miss Smarty Pants?
1: The essence of life. Yes. The essence of a living being.
0: Very good. Yeah, life force. Is it really possible to know the spirit? And so then he dramatically plays the video for me. Ah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we're going to find no, out. Very good. Is it possible? Uh, I'm th- guessing
1: the answer is yes. It would be great though, but it just ended in, <laughs> eh, not really. Thank <laughs> you for your time.
0: The the video came up and uh, some really peppy New Age music. And I had a new voice this time.
1: Ooh. Not the same
0: voice we heard on the other videos. And this one kind of sounded like Anthony Hopkins.
1: Oh, do you think it was? <laughs> No, but it sounded like
0: someone doing a very good Anthony Hopkins impersonation. Oh, okay.
1: Clarice. Yeah.
0: Hello, Clarice. Mm. Um, Oh, very good. Thank you. And uh, once again, it's just funny to imagine these things being said in L. Ron Ron Hubbard's voice. Yeah. Very different than Anthony Hopkins saying it very. Astutely. Sure. But uh yeah, it came in with some big bold claims, saying that this thin book, you just saw it, is a summation of fifty thousand years of thinking men.
1: Whoa! That's a lot of men, a lot of years.
0: <laughs> Their materials, capped by a quarter of a century of original research by L. Ron Hubbard, have brought the humanities so long outdistanced by the hard sciences to a state of equality, if not superiority to physics, chemistry, and mathematics.
1: My God, the cojones on this guy.
0: (laughs) No such knowledge has ever before existed, and no such results have ever before been attainable by man as those which can be reached by a study of this brief volume.
1: It's. I mean, it's such self-parody. It's like you'd make up a guy who's like, I am the smartest man in the world who's ever lived. And we'd be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. He didn't say that. No, he said that.
0: This thin book, Gary, How many
1: pages is that? So
0: this book, I mean, was well worth the $100 because,
1: geez. It's all the knowledge in the world.
0: It, how many pages? Let's see here. Last page, 169 pages.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty short tome. Mm-hmm. I read a book of dog poems that I was about that long the other
0: day. Well, <laughs> well, this one is far more important.
1: <laughs> uh, excuse me.
0: Well, it's uh it's capped uh, by a quarter of a century of original research by L. Ron Hubbard.
1: Yeah, oh, fair enough. Plus
0: fifty thousand years of thinking men.
1: Right. Got it. Okay. Got it. Um, Thanks for driving that home.
0: There's just amazing quotes. I, I read the book. I read it over the Christmas break after uh, taking this class. And uh, just the, the hubris, the things that he says. The humanities of the past were full of opinions. Scientology is full of facts that work. And then, in past dissertations on the subject of the mind and philosophies of life, there was a great deal of speculation and very little actual proof. Therefore, these philosophies were creations, and one philosopher was at work out creating another philosopher.
1: All right. Yeah.
0: Sure. So yeah, all these other people, they just make stuff up. Right. But me, this it, is full of facts.
1: And, and he's the first and only one. Yeah. He's got uh-huh. the whole truth and nothing but it.
0: So they start with the definition of Scientology because it's always important to mm-hmm. define Scientology. So did you know, Carrie, that it comes from skio, <sighs> which is Latin for knowing, and Greek logos, which is the study of.
1: Uh huh. It's uh-huh.
0: a it's a system of organized axioms resolving problems of the spirit life and thought developed through the applications of the methodology of the exact sciences to the humanities by L. Ron Hubbard.
1: Oh my God! I never realized how many clauses are in that. <laughs> That's ridiculous.
0: Uh, so Ben asked me if I've ever wondered about the mind. You were like, yeah. nope, no, no, no. Actually, never really occurred to <laughs> me to yeah, wonder about this part. that. <laughs> <laughs> and the spirit uh yeah sure so it kind of tried to let ben know where i was coming from
1: which is what
0: uh, a materialist understanding of the mind is what the brain does okay
1: essentially got it
0: but he asked me well what would you say to learning more about these subjects and, oh well, that's why i'm here
1: yeah you right you really don't need to keep selling me no
0: no you may ask yourself what does this have to do with efficiency
1: yeah so yeah so far nothing
0: yeah okay so, uh, so now we're getting ready to talk about uh, the cycle of action again. I was like, oh, great. We've already gone over the cycle of action. This
1: seems inefficient.
0: Yeah, which is cycle of action is start, change, stop. And then the cycle of action of life, as you may recall, we had you stick a pin in it, is creation, survival, destruction. Okay. So we learned that. Okay. So the first word that he defines for me is apparency. What do you think? Have you heard okay. that one before?
1: No, I mean I've heard the word "parent," so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that it's the quality of being obvious.
0: <laughs> well, it's something that appears to be true, and uh, and okay. I said I said to Ben, you know, cause I've that gotta- should
1: be a. Oh, wait. So, was it appearancey or apparent?
0: Apparency.
1: Yeah, no, that should be obviousness.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. No,
1: we're all so far, this is sounding very inefficient. And so, I'm going to, uh, this what will be my contribution. Every time I hear something that sounds inefficient, I'm going to play my slide whistle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Okay, cool. I appreciate that contribution. Uh, so, example I love his example. There are camps that consider mental issues are an imbalance of chemicals in your brain. That's an apparency. It might seem that way, but it's not.
1: Why, why do they have to do this? They like treat you like you're like five until you just get into this state of just like nodding where you're just like, yeah, okay. I don't know where you're going at this, That's but the sure. frustrating thing.
0: There's always the setup and the setup happens before you know where it's And it's, it's so going.
1: long that you're just bored into being like, yes, okay. I agree with all of your definitions, fine. I
0: realized as I was going over my notes, like Carrie would have so hated these classes.
1: <laughs> I believe it.
0: Yeah, because it, it, it's- Kind of insulting, especially <laughs> some of the words that you define. Yeah. Uh, so then we learn a postulate, something that you decide to be true.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. I'll
1: decide that that's true.
0: We'll keep that one a-
1: But as a uh, piece of life advice, I give that a... <laughs>
0: Fair enough. And I asked him, how is that different from the stable datum you already taught us about, which is like, you know, something that you hold to be true that kind of gets you started. You have to decide that one thing is true and then that define everything else in terms of it. And he said, oh, well, not every stable datum is a postulate. and Not every postulate is a stable datum.
1: Oh, great. It's like (laughs) a square rectangle situation.
0: So I asked him, all right, well, give me an example of a stable datum that's not a postulate. And to his credit, he immediately responded with your parents because you don't choose them. Oh,
1: all right. All right. Yeah fair enough.
0: Yeah. So, all right, he gets passed on that one.
1: Um, did I tell you about my stable datum?
0: No, what's your stable datum? My one datum? stable
1: datum. So, my dad loves to tell the story about how when I was in 3rd grade, I came home like really upset one day and it was because I couldn't figure out what the fundamental assumption of the universe was wait what yeah okay so third grade yeah so I guess I was really upset I kind of remember being at school but I don't remember and thinking these thoughts but I don't remember coming home and saying them the story goes I came home and I was like I was just thinking all day and I was thinking that like everything that we think has to be based on something some other thought and so there has to be one original thought and I think it's gravity oh (laughs) I decided it was gravity All right. uh, so my dad just sent me an article uh, a couple months ago about like some cosmology research. He was <laughs> like, "Look, you were right. Something about gravity." You know?
0: <laughs> that's cute. Anyway, he that's sends my you lots stable of articles, doesn't he? Oh
1: my god, so many articles. That's hilarious. Sometimes he will print them off the internet and then mail them to me because he doesn't know how to use links.
0: Oh yeah, that's adorable. Cute. All right, how would you define counter?
1: Counter. Okay, a few ways. <laughs> One, two, that's one yeah, something, counter. Something.
0: Yeah, okay, like they count, ah, uh, uh, Right, uh.
1: right. Number two, uh... Place that's often messy next to your sink. Sure. Number three, against or in opposition to.
0: Hey, that's the one we're going with for this class. It's against something to counter create. Sure. Like a kid drawing with crayon all over your freshly painted wall.
1: Oh, okay. So that's a counter creation for you, but not for them.
0: Right, right, yeah. Or dating someone other than your wife was the other example. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So all of this setup was to teach us the real cycle of action because the one that we learned in the last class creation, survival, destruction, is an apparency.
1: Oh! Well, boy, it's a good thing you came back. I know, I would have gone
0: away thinking that the true...
1: You would have gone away with an MU!
0: Yeah, exactly!
1: I mean, listen, if if, if that's how their class is set up, then...
0: Yeah, someone would have asked me, like, what is the cycle of action of life? And I would have been like, oh, creation, survival, destruction. Yeah. I'd be like, that's an apparency.
1: And, like, it's like a cardinal sin in the Scientology church to leave people with a misunderstanding. That's a big right? deal. And
0: I went back to the previous book to see, like, did I misread something? Like, uh-huh. did, did he say then, like, this appears to be true? Or, uh-huh. No. It was just very straightforward. Like, here's what it is. Wow. So... It's just very upsetting for me. You gave me false information in the first class, so then he teaches me what the real cycle of action is, which You're-
1: now you can't trust him. I know.
0: I know, right? So here's like <laughs> ready for this? The yeah. news? the The real cycle of action of life is create OK? Create, create, create. what <laughs> That's number two. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'd like to predict number three.
0: (laughs) Oh, I had such a hard time not laughing when I saw create, create, create. Yeah. All right, number three is create, counter create. Oh. Fourth is no creation. okay. And then fifth is nothingness.
1: Okay, sure.
0: (laughs) It's important that we got this clear. But I asked him, like, all right, are you going to, like, pull another one on me again? Is this for real? Right. And he's like, no, no, this is basic. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Okay. But already I'm feeling a little...
1: You baited and switched. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <sighs> so I, and you know, so I this hope is, you all have this clear now. <laughs> I doubt it. This is interesting because while we cannot at all verify or deny this because we didn't get this far, a lot of people report about leaving the church when they get far up in it because they learn they were like misled about central tenants until they were in these like massive OT levels. These yeah. These really far up OT levels. And this levels.
0: is a theme. I ran into this a few times, I think mm-hmm. even in this course, where like I learned something I'd learned before was not the full picture.
1: That's so crazy. It's
0: really annoying.
1: That, I mean, that feels for me kind of unique to Scientology. I haven't run into that in any of our other groups where they're like, we deliberately taught you the wrong thing.
0: Well, the funny thing is I would almost say that Alistair Crowley did that kind of thing.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. No, you're right.
0: And Elron Ron Hubbard has a very special connection to OTO. Yes. Which we'll talk about later. Yes. Uh, so I think maybe it kind of came that from there. That could
1: be. That's really interesting. But, but in- yeah, what a mind fuck.
0: Oh, that's, that's really it's, frustrating. It's thing.
1: gaslighting. It's like actively gaslighting your new members.
0: I think it's setting it up so that like what you say can even override what you've told them before. Right. And then they get some like special like excitement of like, oh, well, now I know this new thing. right? Yeah, I... Yeah. But
1: why not just withhold, I mean, this is like such a, a a horrible thing to say, but why not just withhold some information? Like, that's at right. least better than like lying about it.
0: I could see Tony Alamo doing this too, as well. Mm-hmm. It seems like his followers yeah. had to deal with that kind of bait and switch mentality as well.
1: There's definitely a lot of people who like early in the development of their religion will say one thing and then change their mind until they contradict themselves, but they usually won't like actually say, I lied to you the first time. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyway, Uh, go on.
0: On page 24, I underlined this. He defines reality. He writes it out as an equation. Reality equals the way things appear equals reality is an
1: apparency. What? (laughs) What? First of all, Mm. the very idea of an apparency would mean you really can't use an equal sign at all.
0: (laughs) Oh, fair point.
1: And second of all, that made no sense.
0: So, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm a little pissed already. Like, okay, yeah, you were lying to me. So, uh, yeah, so he gives examples of this new cycle. So you, cr- the the whole idea was to take destruction out of the matrix, so that there's no uh. longer because for some reason, I guess there there must be some point in Scientology in which you can't have destruction.
1: Okay, I guess
0: sure. so you can create which is to start something create 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 is to continue creating something great and so i sit through countless examples of like <laughs> so you, you know you create a job you find something that you need to do and then you do that job every day and that's create create creating and then
1: okay why isn't that just create active creation
0: no, because you already did that. That was the first thing. Right. Now, now you continue to create. But if you stop oh, creating. Know, but
1: why those words? <laughs> sure.
0: If you stop creating, that's no creation. It's not destruction. It's just no creation.
1: Yeah, okay. And in the middle sure. there, you
0: have the create-counter-create. And that's like when you create counters to some other creation. Right. So like you graffiti a wall or date right. someone other than your wife. Now uh-huh. you're creating against something else that has been created. Uh-huh. And, uh, and
1: they're not saying that's good or bad. It just is. Right, because like if you create like a a company that's a competitor to another company, that's not inherently
0: bad. right. No, no, okay. yeah, and and then there's finally nothingness. And at some point, I, I can't remember if it was a video or a book or something, but it was saying that like all of these stages involve creation. I was like, well, what about the one that's called no creation? Yeah, so, uh huh? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no answer. My okay, my cool.
0: consistency-seeking mind was getting really annoyed. Oh at this boy,
1: point. which you know I. Get real annoyed by
0: yes Man. yeah, exactly, I think both of us are high consistency seekers, mm-hmm. I would say you even more than me, but this was getting on my nerves, so uh so yeah, we get all these examples, especially
1: in an efficiency course <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um. You know if you cease creating a wall, it stops existing for you uh that's like uh, this other Whoa, example wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they're, <laughs> they're starting to say things like Hang this these kind of metaphysical attachments that like if you don't think of someone for a long mm-hmm. time, they cease to become real for you. And you're like, well, they're still real, they're
1: yeah I, I mean, I think
0: about that sometimes, like, oh, I've got my friend from. Preschool, Patrick Grimes, he's still out there somewhere. Uh My girlfriend from kindergarten, Jolene Whitehead, she's still out there somewhere. Uh Uh, It's a weird thought to me that they're still out there breathing, I assume, living, but I don't think that they're less real.
1: Yeah, that's so weird. There was a philosopher who claimed that, that I can't remember who, but we talked about it in undergrad, and I remember raising my hand and being like, well, hang on. like if, If someone, if you saw a thumb over there on the floor- and I was like, ah, there's a thumb on the floor. You wouldn't be like, it's not a thumb. It's not connected to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Still a thumb. Still right. a goddamn thumb. It wa- didn't really convince anybody. But that was my argument.
0: Mm. No, the that's-
1: thumb argument.
0: So, yeah, the important thing is no such thing as destruction. I ask him about, like, well, what about, like, a tornado?
1: huh. And
0: he's like, oh, well. Uh- that's
1: just creating a new scatter of houses.
0: <laughs> right. He uh, he answered it by saying, "Well, what's the difference between a random act of nature and you know an action by somebody?" And I said, "Well, intention." He's like, "That's right." And does the universe have any intention? And I said, "Well, I would say no." He's like, "That's right."
1: Oh, great. Okay, oh,
0: hey, Scientology agrees with <laughs> me on this thing. Okay, the universe doesn't have any particular intention. And that was the end of that point. So oh, okay. I still wonder, you know, well, what about destruction?
1: Okay, so just no destruction from people. I guess is so is from aim. intentional
0: agents yeah. yeah and I'm I'm okay. still not quite sure why that was an important point I assume it pays off somewhere else in Scientology uh-huh. but I never saw kind of the end result of getting rid of destruction
1: uh-huh but destroying destruction I wonder if they like shred documents or have trash <laughs> I mean I don't wonder I'm sure they do <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah they're counter creating
1: oh okay
0: Another example was that if you, if you get a divorce, then you're just ceasing to create that relationship.
1: I actually really like the idea with the marriage because I, I had a friend in high school who said when she broke up with her boyfriend, she felt like it was like closing a good book. It's mm. not like you suddenly like destroyed the story. The story's just over. Yeah. and I always yeah. thought that was a really nice grown-up way to think about something coming to a close. Totally. So In that sense, I like it. A plus. Good job, Scientology. You're a Scientology Jew. Do. You're a science, college, do. I don't know. Go on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the next video then is just to reinforce this concept. And it's saying, well, the best way we can tell if something is useful is if it, you know, works well to explain things. So is this cycle of action theory useful? It is.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know he got to decide. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because
0: I was pretty sure it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they define, oh, creating and not knowing one is creating. Somehow that needs to be called out as well. Okay. And that's automatic actions. Okay. I think he
1: was just on shrooms one time, and he was just like, oh, man, the whole world is creation, man. You know, just like this this thought that felt deep at the time. Yeah, right. And Let's rewrite he, like, all this. Yeah, so. he wrote it down, and then he just like had to commit. It.
0: That's the only explanation. So yeah, then the, the, it gives this extended uh, metaphor in the uh, in the video that a man has a job. He create create creates a job. It exists as long as he continues to create create create. Once he takes it for granted, then the job ceases to exist, and he has no job. And you see this man; he's he's uh, like it's been blending from one little piece of this montage to the other. Now he's walking out with his little cardboard box. And it's got Aww. all his stuff in it because he ceased to create his job, and it yeah. doesn't exist anymore. His fault. Another example. Well,
1: you know, so in the downturn of the economy, all those people should have just kept creating their own jobs. I know. Hello. They... Oh, job creators. That's what they're talking about.
0: <laughs> Are you saying this is blaming the victim?
1: A little. A little.
0: Okay, Gary, I've I gotta have you read one of the another example from the book Ooh, for okay. me. He gives three, four examples, and they're all terrible. Go ahead and give us the third one.
1: For example, a man is sane, he gets the idea, creates the idea that it would be, be- <laughs> that it would be better to be insane he starts to go insane having created it and then does numberless things in order to stay sane here he was already creating the state of sanity he counter created insanity he then counter created sanity <laughs> against insanity <laughs> hey wait at yep. the bottom here it says lying is the lowest order of creativity <laughs> but well, they lied M- to you already mr hubbard I say to that.
0: A well-deserved yeah, slide whistle. It's
1: inefficient slash inconsistent. Inconsistency is inefficient. I'm going to take that position.
0: Mm-hmm. I like this other example. For example, a man depends upon a woman to keep his house for him.
1: Oh, okay.
0: One day, he no longer <laughs> has a woman. He can't keep house, even though before he married the woman, he could keep house.
1: <laughs> well, it's not like she did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, can you imagine being married to L. Ron Hubbard? <laughs> oh. From
0: what I heard, that was a yeah, pretty, pretty bad ugly. situation to be in. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime he starts a sentence with for example, you know you're in for <laughs> yeah. something loony. Worst examples ever.
1: Yeah, and they're so removed from society. His ideas are like like learning Spanish, you know, they're like, Mark has an orange. You know, you're like it's like <laughs> nothing from actual real life. R- right. A man has a wife. The wife doesn't clean the house, you know. <laughs> It's just-
0: A man no longer has a wife. Yeah. What?
1: Devoid of any sort of human touch.
0: He clarifies then at this point that, uh, you know, we're talking about creation, but it's all about human creation and not- uh, Right. Not a supreme being. That's okay. T- uh, not the subject at this point. So then I have an exercise where I have to write one thing that I'm creating that I want to stop creating. Oh, God. And then write one thing that I've stopped creating that I want to continue creating.
1: Okay. <laughs> so
0: I do that. There were, I think, nine exercises in this particular course, Okay. so uh, every now and then we stop to you know, write these uh, very obvious things, examples from my own life that they can put in my folder.
1: You're not going to tell us what you wanted to create and, and stop creating?
0: You know, I can't even remember now what um, I wrote on there. Um, Church of
1: Scientology does.
0: Yeah, they have it. They know. You can ask them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the next video, we had to learn the word assumption. Okay. So you would think that's like what you kind of guess as a placeholder.
1: I would assume.
0: But it means taking on something as your own.
1: Oh, well, that's Like true the too. assumption like of a new role. An identity. Yeah. Uh-huh. All
0: right. It's okay. a little.
1: Yeah. Uh, definition two.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like not the first thing that comes to mind. So it still kind of forces the brain to go into this process of like, okay, here's what's being said. Uh-huh. Now let's stop and go somewhere else and figure out what it actually means. Let's plug that back right, in. Right, right. Okay. Now let's reevaluate the sentence. All yeah. of it slows down your mental process.
1: It does. This all just feels like subtly and very slowly sort of beating you into this receptive position where everything they said you just kind of have to nod along with.
0: Yeah, because even though they're taking time to define things, you're still being fed this at a pace that, yeah, doesn't allow you to really truly absorb it.
1: Right. Or just, I mean your boredom gets the best of you. And you're like, sure, that, uh-huh, <clears throat> right, all right, <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. How, how, how much longer? And so uh, so I kind of stopped him there and he said, oh, hold on, this use of language almost strikes me as counter-creative. <laughs> uh, how do you like Very that? Very good. And so he said, well, you need slang, jargon, and technical uses. And he said that there's 700 to 800 specialized words in Scientology which I thought okay. was interesting. So then he said, well, L. Ron Hubbard was unbelievably literate. I mean, they counted his vocabulary and it was far more than most English they professors. They counted
1: his vocabulary. Yeah, they. What? <laughs> they
0: did it. They counted what? his vocabulary. Oh,
1: what? <laughs> it was far
0: more than English professors, which I'm sure they also counted.
1: What? <laughs>
0: You're not supposed to call them on those things. This statistics.
1: is insane.
0: <laughs> Makes the same man insane.
1: So uh, did Ben actually say these things to you oh, or are yeah. you reading these? Oh, oh yeah. my God, poor Ben. Come on, Ben.
0: So he encouraged me. Okay, well, it's just at the beginning, you're going to learn all this nomenclature and then you'll just take right off because you'll understand all the, all, all the language of Scientology. And he said, we're super sensitive to that. That's why we take time to define everything. So I said, yeah, uh, but because it's so intentional, I, I was kind of wondering, what's the thought process here? It, like, it feels intentional that he's kind of redefining words for us, especially because it comes from one person. Usually in a field of knowledge, it comes from many people acting independently over time. And uh-huh. here, here you have one guy who's just like, I'm going to de- redefine all these words for you.
1: Right. And if you have to keep defining everything, it means that you're teaching improperly. properly. You're not teaching in a language that the listener is understanding. That's for you, the teacher, to sort of...
0: Yeah, fix. yeah, or like the context should somehow carry the message. I mean, yeah, defining terms makes sense at some point, but yet Yeah, to yeah
1: def- yes, but I mean like if someone has to constantly do that and look up such basic words, like you're not expressing yourself right. very well. and
0: every, yeah, 20 minutes we're stopping to learn three new words. Right. It's just, yeah, it's not uh, it's not uh You teaching. might
1: call it inefficient.
0: <laughs> so next we learn, <laughs> we go straight into learning... <laughs> oh, that's right. So we already learned assumption, and next we learn permeate, disposition... Oh, disposition, you'd think of as like someone's countenance or something. Oh, yes, uh-huh. Uh, but no, it's the act of arranging or placing people or things, like the disposition of furniture in the room.
1: Oh, I've never really heard it that way. Yeah, I mean, okay. I
0: looked it up. I guess it's legit. But again, okay. it's like definition right. number of three. And then clarify, which I love. They define clarify oh, good. <laughs> to make something less confused. And we learned the, the meaning of the word. For- Even
1: that is such like an awkward wording. To make something less confused.
0: Yeah. In fact, uh, I think Marla Brucker of our firewalking investigation would tell us not to use the word confused there in oh, defining right. clarity. Yes. Yeah. It's
1: to say increase understanding. Exactly. Like that. Take that
0: Elron Hubbard. Yeah. And then we learned the meaning of the word virtue. Uh, so the next video was about the three conditions of existence. And let me tell you, Carrie, these were the I think most frustrating concepts I encountered in all of Scientology. Oh
1: wow! Okay, here we go.
0: And and they sound so simple because it's three things: be, do,
1: have. <laughs> God. Okay. I just Great. see the look on Carrie's face. <laughs> you look
0: so upset when I start saying "have."
1: <laughs> it's just like I just already know I'm in for like uh, something useless. Something so useless. Yeah, you
0: totally are. It, it, like This one frustrated me so much because like they gave examples for, I swear, a half hour we spent oh. on, and they, they refer to it as beingness, doingness, and, and havingness. Havingness, uh-huh. sure. Countless also, examples.
1: it sounds so much like some bad art you'd buy at Target.
0: Oh, Be yeah. in, in Be I, all italics. Do Be,
1: do, yeah. have. Yeah,
0: one's kind of cursive and one's right. like bold, do right. Uh, it turns out that the game of life, which this is all about, you know, it's learning mm-hmm. how to play a better game, requires that one assume a beingness in order to accomplish a doingness <laughs> in the direction of a havingness.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: Being is more important than doing, which is more important than having. But it's best to consider them the other way around. Think about what you want to have and then what you must do to have that and then who must you be
1: okay in
0: order to do the thing to have the thing uh-huh. you want to have.
1: Okay. This is being said in a really stupid <laughs> way, but I kinda slide whistle
0: carry. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> I can dig the principle a little bit that like you know, uh, achieving something might mean making a difference in yourself.
0: Sure. <laughs> but, but they would give these examples for the course. There's, like, this thing about a race car driver. And they'd ask, like, well, what does he need to be? And I would, like, say something. That, no, that's a havingness.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> and then I'd say
0: something else. That's a doingness. And, oh, I was just getting so annoyed with it. And this was the moment at which I kind of did my, I'm done. Like, uh-huh. let's just stop. And we're only, like. I don't know, two hours into the course at this uh-huh. point. Super frustrating. So yeah, I had to open up the folder, answer questions at my work about what kind of havingnesses I want and And what beingnesses, I must assume. And yeah, and so I got those wrong and had to scratch them out and
1: come up
0: with new beingnesses. Still don't feel like I fully understand that.
1: Fair enough. Well, maybe you're not the right person, so you can't do what you need to have that knowledge. That could be it. You do have.
0: So the next film was about the eight dynamics. Oh, good. I'm an expert on the eight dynamics. Um, Which, oh
1: yeah, you mentioned the eight dynamics before, and I was immediately like, oh, eight dynamics, something about Buddhism. We looked up the eightfold path to see if they kind of meshed. They don't. Oh, okay. Okay. Or in my opinion, they don't. All
0: right. So this was uh, pretty much just a recap of everything we learned before. I learned that the uh, eight dynamics pull you toward livingness.
1: Oh, great. That's cool. That wasn't even one of the three principles. Livingness? I just think they'd say toward beingness instead of livingness. Oh
0: yeah, no, we're past that now.
1: Jesus. Okay. That
0: was just the conditions of existence.
1: Okay. Sure. Real different.
0: (laughs) Oh, and they defined concentric for me, which was almost insulting. Cute. (laughs) Oh yeah, and this is where they said that we must accept these eight arbitrary compartments of life. (laughs) And so he pretty much admitted that he just kind of chosen these. As uh, useful. random. He said, the, the purpose is to place life in compartments. So, all right. Mission accomplished. I
1: wonder if some of these are like, he used that word, and then he realized he used it improperly, and then he doubled down on it. Maybe. Like, maybe he just didn't know what arbitrary meant, and then later was like, no, that's what I meant. Yes. That could be it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we don't know what changed between the previous versions of all these books and the golden age tech phase two. True. Student hat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> student hat is so dumb. (laughs) What a stupid suffix. (laughs) You guys would have
0: done much better to leave out the student (laughs) hat.
1: Okay, go on.
0: I learned that none of the dynamics is more important than the others, and yet not necessarily- I knew you were
1: going to say, but I knew it. I was like, I bet one is sort of better.
0: And yet, they're not necessarily equal to each other. So. What? Yeah, you just said.
1: Okay, whatever.
0: Yeah. Sorry. See, this
1: is the same thing. It makes you just go like, okay, fine. I, I have it, it.
0: I have it in my notes here, huh? <laughs> you can find a person's imbalances by examining oh, how they exist mind. on the the eight dynamics of life. Okay. Okay. Fine. For each dynamic, each of these eight dynamics, you have a tone scale. Essentially.
1: Oh God. Okay. <laughs> and the tone scale, I believe, I know what that is. Yes. It, okay, yes, so Poppy. the way you talk and carry yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: have a certain mm, je ne sais quoi, a certain like they give you a certain energy. And so when hmm. someone's like, uh, like really mad at you, then they're really high on the tone scale, which is bad. Hmm. And when they're uh, like, "Hey man, um, I don't really feel like working because you always make me work," then they're like. Also bad, but in a different place on the tone scale. And then some people are just habitually in one part of the tone scale. And if it's a bad place, then you should get rid of them in your life because they're no good.
0: Yeah, so essentially every emotion that a human can have or that L. Ron Hubbard can think of a word for exists on this (laughs) tone scale. And they're all like one above the other. Uh-huh. And so like it works out so that you can.
1: Like a thermometer.
0: Yeah. And that you have to like pass through each one to work your way out from one to the ah,
1: other. Ah, like the stages of grief.
0: That's funny. I brought that up like, oh, what about the whole Elizabeth Kubler-Ross thing? And and he just kind of looked blankly at me. huh. I, I think the tone scale I would find far more useful if they didn't insist on us passing through every single one, mm, like to yeah. get to the next.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. it's
0: silly. They, they showed like in the previous class, this video of these two women arguing at a table and then they're all like friendly like a few seconds later. I was like, oh, they didn't pass through all of those intermediate uh, emotions of boredom, anger, and reciprocity or whatever it was.
1: Boredom's in there. Yeah, you don't, especially put boredom in the middle. You're not like, I'm so angry. God, I'm bored. And
0: again, a problem, zero is body death. You are dead. (laughs) Yeah. Four is serenity. And yet then they extend the scale to positive forty and negative forty, uh, and so th- <laughs> there's emotions below body death that oh, still hasn't been sufficiently what? explained for me.
1: I guess, like, okay, <laughs> uh, maybe they're just saying that there are certain emotions that are like worse for the world than you just being dead.
0: I guess. So he walked me through a lot of examples of different different levels on the tone scale and different dynamics. So. Won't bother you with that. Uh, then I write down any realizations that I've had today or uh, any wins I've experienced so far. And we get to take a break two and a half hours into this course. So, hey. How long is the break? 10, 15 minutes. Oh, God. We go and get some cheese and crackers, go to oh, the Oh, they love it.
1: They love those cheese, cheese and, and, crackers. and crackers.
0: They offer me coffee. No I bet thanks. there was brie. Probably. Yeah, fancy cheese.
1: Probably brie. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> uh, ben told me that he works full time for the church now. He tells me about the building that we're in, Big Blue. He says that it was renovated about five or six years ago, and I asked if it was LRH's base of operations. And he says no. Uh, he was in Phoenix, and then he was in uh, Saint Hill, and uh, then he spent a lot of time on a flotilla.
1: What's that? Like a, a, flo- a bunch tortilla? of boats. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, that office was never really his to begin with. And uh, and then he talked a bit about management there at LA. Said that all of the management of the church lives in LA, and that they work. In that one building like down in Hollywood and Ivar, the way he was describing it, I was thinking it was this one brick building like next to the Egyptian, but then he said it had the Elron Ron Hubbard life exhibit at the base of it. So ah, it, I guess yes. it was that building, which is okay, a tall yes. building and has many offices up there. So he didn't know where David Miscavige lives, but he's met him like three or four times.
1: Uh, fun fact, I looked up David Miscavige's property holdings in LA. Yeah. If, if he lives here, the deed is not in his name.
0: Interesting. Okay,
1: which people do, especially sure. celebrities. So. Right,
0: right. He also told me a lot about their state-of-the-art printing facilities because I kept complimenting them on all these beautiful printed oh, things. Oh
1: yes, this will be a theme. Oh yeah, they're very proud of their printing.
0: He said, "Oh yeah, we print them all out ourselves." And he, he said, "We have this whole division that creates all our signs." And I said, "Do they have a sign on the division that says Scientology?"
1: <laughs> and what he say? He
0: laughed and he oh, said, good. "No." I said, "You're free to use that one." <laughs> We went back to class. We talked about the uh, ARC triangle more. Affinity, reality, and communication are the common denominator to all life activities. Sure. Fine. We defined common denominator just in case I got lost there. Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have to define common and denominator or just the whole phrase? (laughs) Common is a 42-year-old rapper who's still got a very popular career in the United States.
0: (laughs) The ARC could be called the Keystone of Living Associations. I wrote that in my notes. What? That was said. I have no idea what that means.
1: Keystone. Uh, Which is,
0: they define the highest (laughs) stone in an arch.
1: At least give the the analogy version. Oh my God. I don't know what that
0: was all about. But what
1: was it? The Keystone?
0: The Keystone of. Living associations.
1: Fine. Oh, like the associations between living things, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And so
0: having the ARC, yeah, it kind of makes sense, is what yeah. holds it all together.
1: Sure. Is that true? Doubt it. Is
0: that the best way to say it? No. No. Yeah, so there's the tonic scale for each corner. Yeah, and it works differently. Corner? <laughs>
1: Oh. Of, of,
0: of the ARC of the triangle. Of yeah. course. So, um, you
1: got to get your tone and your scale in the corner of the triangle. And so
0: it's not necessarily the same as the tone scale that we learned for people's behavior. So like for reality, the tone scale goes from a very low. It's just like particles and energy. And then as it gets higher, it becomes more solid.
1: Who is this useful for? <laughs> Who's like, now I get it. <laughs>
0: Well, it's the keystone of living association. Oh, Scary.
1: Okay, So that's yeah. useful
0: for everybody.
1: Oh my God.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there was this little segue on communication there, uh, talking about the C in ARC. There must be an intention to send a message okay and there must be an intention to receive it for communication to actually happen
1: okay fair. and
0: my mind immediately starts thinking of all these counterexamples. so i'm like oh well, what if like someone intercepts a message they overhear you you know you oh, weren't uh-huh. in, you weren't intending for them to hear you and
1: they weren't necessarily even intending to hear it
0: yeah what if you crack the enigma code they were definitely not intending for you uh-huh. to hear he's it. like well you had an intention to receive it didn't you as if he just but made even, a good point, but
1: isn't? also sometimes not even that. Like you, I've had that experience where, like, I'm trying to talk to you, but the people in the next booth, it's just like my brain, keeps registering what they're saying. Oh yeah. I don't want to hear it. Right? They don't want me to hear it. You don't. No one there wants me to hear it. But my brain is still just locked into that conversation. That happens all the time.
0: I guess maybe then they would fault you as a poor intender to receive. I don't know. Oh Jesus! Okay. I don't know. This leads me to as I was reading the book. <clears throat> A basic definition of communication is cause, distance, effect. What? <laughs> and I wrote in the notes, barf. <laughs> 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 it just That's really not, upset me. Why do you need to say that?
1: Not basic and not a definition. What does
0: that accomplish, L. Ron Hubbard?
1: Nothing. Nothing. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah, so I'm I'm upset that we're going into this much detail about the ARC, which he just taught me a week beforehand. So it's like, yeah. I'm good.
1: I'm good. Right, it. unless you're going to tell me you lied about it. Yeah, right. Which they kind of do. They tell us like, oh, actually it's...
0: Yeah, we learn in another class that it's truly CRA. At this point, someone tried to break into the class or use the room or whatever. And, and he got pretty upset with them. He's like, well, we have this room for a few more hours. You should go check with the PSS. And I really want to know now what a PSS is. Oh,
1: I'm sure we could look it up.
0: You guess while I look.
1: PSS.
0: I found a reference to Vice President of PSS.
1: The Practical Structure Systems.
0: Good idea. I don't know. I keep finding all these things that look like a school. I give up. The main importance of the whole tone scale thing is that if someone is at a different level than you, especially if they're a lower level, Uh you need to talk to them at their level.
1: Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, wait. So, if they're like super angry, you should act super angry?
0: Just be aware that that's what they're dealing with and try to speak to them as you would an angry person. Oh. So, you don't necessarily have to get down to their level, but, oh. you know, talk to them in ways that aren't going to provoke their anger even uh-huh. more. So, you know, that's, okay. that's fine. So, I asked Ben, does this get used in Scientology as like, a, you know, hey, you're being a 2.3? Or something like that. I was like, because that would get kind of annoying, wouldn't it? He said, like, ah, not so much. But sometimes we'll like call someone out if they're like a two point oh, or sure, yeah, which is antagonism, yeah. And uh, it's the reversal point where someone starts becoming more destructive than creative.
1: Uh-oh. And
0: yet, what if, what, you're not supposed to use destruction. He didn't say counter-creative. He said they're becoming more destructive. Whatever. If someone is below a 2.0, anything that they say is destructive or it's a bad idea.
1: Oh, anything they say. Yeah. Wow. I guess so. Cool.
0: Yeah, and I told him, this whole body death thing is really throwing me off. He said, yeah, we'll get to that later. But we did not. Not in that class.
1: Maybe he just meant like you will get to your bodily death later. (laughs)
0: Eventually, yes. Yeah,
1: it's a really safe bet. It is true. Ross, I want to hear more. God, do I want to hear more, but. But,
0: I knew there was a but.
1: I think we should talk about Squarespace.
0: That's a good but.
1: Did you know, Ross, that Ono Ross and Carrie is supported in part by Squarespace?
0: I did, because it's the simplest way to capture your passion in a beautiful website.
1: There's an idea or a project that you're itching to show the world about, you should!
0: With Squarespace's simple tools and captivating templates, showcasing your hard work is the easy part.
1: And you can actually start your free trial today. Visit squarespace.com oh no, that's O-H-N-O, you should. Squarespace. Squarespace. Every square space is a rectangle space but not every rectangle space is a square space.
0: That's true, just as every square space is a quadrilateral space.
1: True. We've used square space for a long time. We have. When we started the show five years ago, I remember feeling like pretty overwhelmed by the thought of starting our own website, and it's pretty easy to use.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you can, you know, just throw on what you need, and it'll, it'll look nice and professional without yeah. you having to do a ton of work. And if you want to put the work into it, then you can take it to that next level, do any kind of scripting you want. So it's a powerful platform.
1: You should Squarespace. Squarespace.
0: So next, Ben was ready to lead me into the main metaphor of this course, which is that life is a game.
1: Oh, okay. It's it's
0: not like a game.
1: It is a game.
0: Yeah. Life is like a box of chocolates. Life is a game.
1: I'm not being hyperbolic here. That immediately makes me feel like I'm being manipulated by someone. Yeah? Like if someone feels like life is a game- I don't know, it just seems like kind of a sociopathic point of view. Like okay. It's all about me winning and just like figuring out a way to get to my end I think goal. you're
0: onto something here. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Figuring out the rules of the game and then controlling the game. Yeah. That's what the game's all about. Yeah. There are losers and then there's me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. play the game. Right.
0: You can play the game if you follow my rules. Right. Not as well as I can, but you know, uh-huh. you'll succeed. Right. Yeah, I think that's what's going on here. So yeah, since we are exterior to a great number of games, we can regard them all with a detached eye.
1: We're exterior to a great number of games? Yeah, what? what? You got a problem with that? What does that mean? Uh, it's we're, like we are detached uh, viewers. Oh, okay.
0: In control of this situation. So if we were exterior to life, instead of being involved and immersed in the living of it, it would look to us much like a game looks from the present vantage point.
1: So kind of like if you're in, an, in a bad relationship... You're like, oh, this is so complicated. No one quite understands. It's really difficult. I don't know what I should do. But if your friend is in the pretty much same bad relationship, it's easy to be detached and be like she you should go. leave. Right.
0: So so have that same detached eye towards your own relationship. Right. You learn that disinterest is one of the mechanisms of play. You know, by showing that you're not fully interested, then you can use that as an advantage.
1: Sometimes <laughs> can all of these just have Sometimes, yeah, in yeah.
0: parentheses, <laughs> of course, but they're not presented that way. Right. These are absolutes. Right. So yeah, we define travail, we define disinterest, palpable barrier mechanism. Oh, I love this. If there were nothing but barriers, we would call that a totality of barriers, would we? <laughs> would we call it that? Would ben? we?
1: Would we? <laughs> and is it useful to? No. <laughs> Not useful. Uh, inefficient.
0: But just in case totality of barriers wasn't enough, let's give it another term.
1: <laughs> what is it? <laughs>
0: no game condition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Like, I love it when like, he like, throws you off with an unnecessary redefinition of something, and then he gives it another term.
1: Why?
0: Which could also be called... <laughs>
1: I don't oh know. Oh, my God. I don't know. such a crazy person.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the whole point there is that life is a game, and it consists of freedoms, values, and purposes.
1: Freedoms, values, and purposes. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so, Those things all are real.
0: And in the book, it says, this is a scientific fact, not merely an observation.
1: Oh, great. There you go. Well, as long as you say so.
0: Yeah, there's all these examples, and then they define dictator- which I think is great. Great. They define French Revolution, populist. They
1: define French Revolution. <laughs>
0: yeah, because that's going to be used in the next video. Oh, okay. And uh, brigandage. What's that? <laughs> I guess the state of having a bunch of brigands, you know, like lawless uh, people.
1: Oh, I've never heard thieves, that word. Okay.
0: robbers, yeah. Well,
1: I would have actually needed the definition. Yeah, for I that, hadn't but heard. But I probably of, would have turned to a different dictionary. I'd heard
0: of brigands, but not brigandage, which uh-huh. is it is the thing. I, I looked all these up later just to see how many were real. And so, how brigandage
1: many is like anarchy
0: state of being an outlaw.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So, we learn about how this plays out in the different dynamics. And this is really important about the self dynamic. And you can't just exist on the self dynamic because you will lose. And so, we call this if somebody only operates in the self dynamic,
1: like he does, uh-huh. the
0: first dynamic, we call that. The only one. There's this video that's an example of this woman. She's uh, like s- storming and she's on her phone and she walks to the front of the coffee line and cuts in front of everybody else. And then sure. she like gets all mean with the uh, barista. And this is an example of her existing solely on the first dynamic. And that's, and then it says, you know, on the screen, the only one. And, uh, and then he gives it another term, selfish determinism. Why not?
1: That would have been a lot more useful.
0: Okay. Well, oh, wait. No, no it is not because there's two new terms <laughs> Carrie's getting her slide whistle ready. So there's two new terms that we learned. There's a principle in Scientology called pandeterminism. So this can oh. <laughs> This can be defined as playing multiple sure, sides at once. Man, uh-huh. Okay, but then there's self-determinism where you only play your side. <whistles> oh, it so deserves the slide whistle because I got confused. Yeah, give it two slide whistles. Absolutely. As I'm watching this video, they're giving these examples of pandeterminism and self-determinism. And I'm like, oh, wait, but self-determinism is bad. But I'm confusing that with selfish determinism. That's different.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Self-determinism. It made me so (laughs) mad.
0: I had to ask questions about it later. I was like, oh, like you gave me two almost identical sounding terms. I
1: didn't even note it.
0: That are counter creating against each other without telling me. (laughs) Yeah. And so- pandeterminism, all right, if you're a general in a war, you are pandeterminist towards your troops. If they're having a squabble, you see both sides of their conflict and you can resolve it. But then if you, as a general, you go into war against another army, now you are self-determined because you are not in control Uh of both sides of that conflict.
1: Okay, sure. All right, fine. I can buy that, but it's not a useful thought.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) the applicability to life is supposed to be that you're supposed to become pandeterministic in your life, again, by having this kind of detached view. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah.
1: I mean, this sounds like the most charitable version of that I can read it is like, Okay, yeah, that like helps you think in terms of benefiting your community, your world. The least charitable version I can think of is like, boy, this seems like a real slow sell on getting you to like not respect your own needs and give oh, yourself over to the operation that is the Church of Scientology. That is the least charitable. I'm not saying it's true.
0: Fair enough. Exercise number four, Carrie briefly explain how you can apply pandeterminism to your life.
1: Oh, okay. So then you get to write um, that out and turn okay. it in. I'm a, uh, be nicer to my baseball squad. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> baseball squad. <laughs> All right, so then we learn about counterposed. Oh, I like how they define old saw.
1: Oh. <sighs> Cause- <laughs> O-L-D-S-A-W?
0: Yeah, because you know L. Ron Hubbard's going to use the phrase old saw oh, in the next God. video. Okay, I'll
1: guess. So it literally means <laughs> a piece of metal that's serrated that cuts wood and is old. But I think he's going to use it metaphorically to mean something you keep trying to use to fix a situation- But you know it's not the best way.
0: Very good guess. It's an old saying that people repeat. (laughs) Oh, because
1: it's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that old
0: saw. It's like that old chestnut, you know, something like that. But I just loved that they had to define old saw for is the, that the a modern common audience. thing? Yeah, it was an actual phrase, oh, but you know, okay. used by people in the fifties.
1: Right, right. Okay.
0: So yeah, he defines a problem as consisting of two purposes opposed. Uh-huh. All right. So we need problems to work on. If we didn't have them, we'd find them. Even if someone retires, they still find something that they can work on as uh-huh, a problem. true. Yeah, that's all fine.
1: See that in my dad these days.
0: This was an interesting statement. Life has no purpose other than the purpose <laughs> you create.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh,
0: again, I found myself just surprisingly agreeing with Scientology on something.
1: Yeah, and then wondering like how much they actually follow this.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how much does this actually play out right. in real life? But again, it comes down to that whole like, uh, you know, truth is what you think is true. Do
1: what thou wilt will be the whole of the law.
0: Love is the law, love under will. All right, now we get to my favorite part.
1: Oh, your favorite part? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Ross, before we get to your favorite part, yeah, which I want to hear about. I think we should talk about our favorite part of the year.
0: Oh, well, that would be the Maximum Fun Drive.
1: Uh, yeah, it would.
0: That's coming up real soon, isn't it?
1: I hope so. God, I hope so. I spend about 50 weeks a year in mourning that it's not max Fun Drive. That's
0: understandable.
1: But two weeks a year, Ross, it comes around like the sun in that Ray Bradbury story. Uh-huh. The sun comes once a year. <laughs> the sun for me is Max Fun Drive.
0: I think I watched like the short film version of that because you sent me a link. Yeah. That was good.
1: But I've noticed that the 2016 Max Fun Drive is just around the corner.
0: Well, why don't you join us then for the best two weeks in podcasting? Show your support for Ono, Ross, and Carey and Maximum Fun.
1: We're going to have maybe my favorite part of our Scientology investigation. Easy. We'll be featured on Max Fun Week. We're also going to have amazing exclusive gifts for new and upgrading members.
0: So we'll tell you all about it, but you're going to be excited. Yeah. Um, it all kicks off March 14th and runs for over two weeks, so we'll be releasing an episode during that time frame, another episode.
1: So mark your calendar, and you can find out more at MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture.
0: Artist-owned, listener, listener supported. supported. So I'm now five hours into the class, and I've gone through... My cycle of actions, part one and two, my conditions of existence, the eight dynamics, the ARC triangle, the reason why, part one, part two, and part three. But now, we're ready to get to chapter seven dash one. (laughs) 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 The parts of man.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Ben tells me, first of all, that one of the greatest discoveries of Scientology has, has been the isolation, handling, and description of the human spirit.
1: Handling.
0: Handling. Handling. Okay. It. Sure, yeah. Well, you gotta handle this thing, right? That's how you control things. You handle
1: uh, it. Sure.
0: Because it means so many things to so many people, the spirit, we have given it a new word. Thayton. Yeah. Got it. I remember sitting there just thinking, wow. You're busting out Thetan already.
1: Yeah. Like
0: somehow I thought you've got to be in Scientology a lot longer mm-hmm. before you get to hear about
1: Or Thetans. at least like feel in it. You're just like taking a-
0: Introductory courses.
1: Yeah. And not even like this is the introduction to Scientology. You're taking like a class in like not procrastinating.
0: Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like you expect to be learning things to help you at work, uh, you know, time management st- strategies, right? And, and now you're learning about the Scientology's word for the soul, the spirit.
1: For someone who's never heard that word before, what how would you describe it?
0: Yeah, um, so it's T H E T A N. I know a lot of people say Thetan, and I clarified with him, it's Thetan, that's oh, how okay, they God. say it, okay. like uh, someone saying Satan, but with a lith.
1: Oh, right, okay. And,
0: um, and it comes from Theta, the Greek letter of the alphabet, which he told me means thought or spirit, and I am skeptical of that, because it's a letter in the Greek alphabet. Does it by itself mean thought or spirit?
1: Well, I mean like... Well, I, I think he was
0: alluding to the fact that L. Ron Hubbard would refer to various things with Greek letters... Uh, when he's creating Dianetics? Could very well be. This also feels like kind of an Aleister Crowley holdover.
1: He did love his Greek,
0: Greek letters. Kind of, yeah. So I'm guessing this might be something that came from OTO and.
1: Yeah, Philema.
0: So I learned that a Thetan has no location in space. And he kept saying, he has no location in space. He has no energy. Oh. He has no wavelength. And so I clarified like, oh, are they male? It's like, no, no, they're genderless. But oh, okay. I guess it was just easier than saying it. Though I did learn in Fundamentals of Thought, page 76, a person having exteriorized usually returns to a planet and procures usually another body of the same type of race as before.
1: Oh, wasn't expecting that. So you
0: might come back as a man, oh, okay. Carrie, but you'll be a white man.
1: Okay, thank God. <laughs> what a weird thing to know. <laughs> Also, I mean, as the races mix and race becomes like a less and less defined thing, how right. does this work?
0: No, that doesn't make any sense. What, whatever. And yeah, like
1: where? what about all the like Neanderthal? Where
0: do they go? Yeah, where are those? Well, that's a question. Did they even have thetans to begin with?
1: Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe that's with their downfall.
0: <laughs> the thetans have no mass, no time or location in space, unless the thetan, he postulates that he does. What? That's what I said. Okay, so that is the only way that a thetan can manifest itself for physical properties is that it postulates that it is so.
1: So let's say you've exteriorized, which means died, right? No,
0: it means uh. you've you've moved outside of your body. That's right. We've used this term, but I uh, haven't defined it yet. So yeah, it... To- <laughs> Look, Carrie is giving me. Don't give me that look. I didn't come up with it. How
1: is that different from dying?
0: Uh, It's like uh, an out-of-body experience. You can leave your body but still control it. So this is one of the important things that we learn, is that a thetan can control the body from an exteriorized position, just like you should play a game. Okay. Uh, What? (laughs) What is
1: happening?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exteriorizing does not cause death or mental derangement, Carrie. Oh.
1: I am so confused. El okay. Hubbard said it. But your Thetan is you, right? Yes.
0: yes. Now it's this like
1: it's like my concept of a soul. Yeah. When, right. Okay. Oh, this
0: is very and uh, a very important point. You have a body. Yes. You Thank are you. a Thetan. Right. Okay. Sure. Let's get that clear.
1: The body is but a vessel.
0: But your eternal, Thetan,
1: uh-huh. that
0: has existed for all time immemorial, uh-huh. has existed in other bodies, we would assume, uh-huh. Uh huh. but it has postulated itself into time and space to control your body.
1: Okay. So it's not like- I'm walking around to do. I'm Carrie, and then a thetan can come in and be like, my turn. It's that.
0: You oh, are wow. the thetan. Oh, right. Since and you were while warm. my
1: soul thetan was uh, unencumbered with a body, one day it was like, you know what? I think I want to be a body. And then it was sent into mine.
0: And uh, well, I tried to clarify that. And he said, like, oh, well, we usually think it's at the moment of birth. Which totally doesn't make sense with what uh, we're told uh, uh, later.
1: uh, 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 No, sir. They're real big on those prenatal engrams.
0: Exactly. So I thought that was a misstep on his part.
1: Although I guess the engrams, they said are in the cells. So I guess they could just be in the body before (sighs) the...
0: (laughs) I guess.
1: (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: So I was asking tons of questions at this point, like trying to get clear on, on what was going on here with this whole Thetan thing.
1: Remind me, did we ever go over abortion with them?
0: Uh, no, I don't think we got okay. a clear answer about abortion with them. I
1: feel like them. I wrote something in the margin of something.
0: So yeah, they show me a video all about the Thetan, and I'm all excited because I'm thinking like, oh, I'm getting real Scientology here. I'm looking yeah. about Thetan. We learned that the parts of man, there are three parts. There's the Thetan, and then the mind, and then the body.
1: What? There's the Thetan. And, oh, okay. I guess like people do say mind, body, spirit, but yeah, mind and spirit seem the same to me, but go on.
0: Yeah. Well, they're definitely separating out <gasps> mind and spirit right. and body. Okay. Um, and so there's, well, four conditions. So you can be entirely separate from the body or bodies or the universe. So you can just be a, a Thetan that's not attached to anything, hasn't postulated anything. Right. Uh, Hanging out. Okay. A ghost. The second then is a Thetan that is near a body. It's detached, but controlling the body. The third
1: oh, like a demon, okay.
0: No, no, that like you if you've exteriorized.
1: Oh, right, okay. And the, the is exteriorizing good? Do you want to? Do yes, it? yeah, okay. exteriorizing
0: is a good thing.
1: Do you want to be like permanently exteriorized? Yeah, is that the goal. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's like the ideal situation to be kind of controlling yourself from afar because right. then you're detached and right. you're. No, he actually says in the book one of the many goals of processing in Scientology is to exteriorize, since it has been discovered that he is happier and more capable when so situated.
1: All right, fine.
0: This isn't the first time he said this sort of thing just in the time we've been quoting him, but he constantly says, like, it has been discovered or, you know, it has been shown that. Right, it it right. has been demonstrated in this passive voice and never with any citation right. or reference, and you know you're not getting that.
1: And often just in complete opposition to established science.
0: Right. In Scientology, it has been discovered that mental energy is simply a finer, higher-level part... Higher level physical energy. Fine. Sure. <laughs> it, it's just always these like bald assertions, and like yeah. it is. It has been shown, or, right? And, and there are many stories of this having occurred. Really, where? Yeah. Where?
1: Yeah. Oh my God, this guy.
0: Uh, so the third condition is that uh, you have the uh, the Thetan within the body. So supposedly that's where you and I are right now, where we just don't realize that we are Thetans. We just think that we are these bodies walking around. Uh-huh. And then the fourth condition... This one confused me. It's an inverted condition in which you are compulsively away from the body and can't control it.
1: Huh. Okay. And then they throw. Maybe like a coma or something.
0: Or maybe like you've gone out of body and you just can't get back and you're just kind of detached. I don't know. I I mean,
1: I was trying to think of like what would actually happen in real life that they might like attach that to. Also, the idea of being like detached from your body so you kind of have that more objective view is in some ways, you know, appealing. In other ways, not at all. Like, I'm thinking of there. there's that balance, right? Like, we used the example before of being in a bad relationship where all your friends know it and you don't. And Mm -hmm. you're like, but it's complicated. You guys don't get it because it's complicated. But there's, like, something in between there, right? Because, like, if I just said to you, like, I think your marriage sucks, Uh you'd feel like you've got more information because you're in it.
0: Yeah. I'd be like, well, hey, now.
1: Yeah. And it's not, like, fair for someone, like, just completely on the outside to... Yeah. To feel they have the more objective view. There, I just think there's got to be a middle ground here. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's a very Spockian kind oh, of.
0: Right, where you, you need a bit of the subjective and the objective. Yeah, exactly. Playing together. right? right. Yeah, totally. And and then there was this whole little side thing about how, about how a Thetan is subject to deterioration. And that really bugged me because it's supposed to be this eternal yeah, thing what? that can't be destroyed. And it had to do, it's not <laughs> worth describing or getting into, but it had... <laughs> It it had to do with, like, getting too wrapped up into the game and thinking that it's real. Jesus. I, I took more notes, but let's not get into them. Um, you
1: trying to describe this and you having a headache look the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so Ben asked me then to picture a kitten. <laughs> All right. Are you picturing a kitten? Yeah. Listeners and Carrie? Yeah. So well, who's doing that? Who's picturing the kitten?
1: Okay, I want to say I am, but that's wrong.
0: Well, who's I?
1: My Thetan.
0: Yeah. Okay, it's the Thetan.
1: Oh, okay. So,
0: so <laughs> well,
1: that was easier than I thought. Yeah,
0: that's your Thetan, and it's a mental image picture that you've created of a kitten, and you've seen kittens before, and that exists within your analytical mind. Okay. So that's kind of your higher mind that is controlled by your thetan and collects memories, little snapshots. Data, you might say. Yeah, data. And then you have your reactive mind, Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: is like at a lower level Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: it's impulsive and uh, reactionary,
1: more uh, more emotional.
0: The reactive mind. Right. And it, it encodes bad things that happen to you. And we'll get into this in Dianetics ad nauseum
1: yes so. uh, which uh, bing 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 you said the key word might as well tell them yeah that's what we're doing over max fun drive Dianetics we're gonna tell you about us getting certified in Dianetics oh man and oh man you wanna stick around
0: yeah you thought these courses were long
1: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oh my God. You haven't heard you the guys, half of it. It's boy, we went through some. Literally, shit for you. you have
0: not heard the half of it. Yeah, so I, I won't go into huge detail now, but we—I learned that there's a uh, analytical mind, a right. reactive, reactive mind, mind, a somatic mind. Sure. And then there's the body, and the somatic mind is you know the mind that handles all of the bodily functions, the basic involuntary breathing and pain. Yeah. Payne's a big one. Back to the kitten, the the whole picture that you were creating. If you've seen a kitten before and you are picturing that kitten, that's a facsimile. If you're picturing a kitten that you have not seen before, that's a mock-up. Okay. And then if you These are
1: words I actually know.
0: And then if you are completely making something up, then that's a hallucination, something that's- Well,
1: okay. Totally
0: unreal. That's a hallucination, or more properly, an automaticity. So (laughs) come So An
1: automaticity?
0: Yeah, that's another word for hallucination. More properly. Why? It's an automaticity. More properly. Did they Carrie?
1: define that? No.
0: It's oh just come more, on. It's just more properly.
1: So automaticity. So automatic What? Oh <laughs> Uh.
0: Don't question it.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm in. It's too late to question.
0: At this point, I had all these questions about a Thetan and what it can do. So I said, well, can it inhabit two bodies at the same time? He's like, well, theoretically, but I doubt that's usual or normal. Then I asked, "Like, well, when you die, do you go directly into a new life or is there like some intermediary period where mm-hmm. you're doing something? Like
1: defending your life with Albert Brooks. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's so good. Yeah? You should see it.
0: Okay, cool. But yeah, he says, well, without getting super technical, the generality is That you go find a new body. But sometimes there's in between life activity, but we'll get to that in the future. It's not important.
1: It's not important. Yeah. Heaven's not important. (laughs) Not
0: for now. Uh, And I asked, well, what about LRH? Is he coming back? And Ben said, "Uh, not that I've heard of.
1: Oh. So again,
0: that's where I get a different answer than I think we've heard elsewhere. Hmm. I asked, like, is there like a goal, like in Buddhism, to eventually remove yourself from the cycle of life and death? And uh, he said, well, practically speaking, speaking that's all a ways down the road i'm not even that far yet in my scientology studies so
1: oh wow yeah
0: so he's like i don't know that's that's all very interesting but i don't know and then i asked well then is there like a way to do past life regression he said yes and then he like answers that by saying LRH was in the Explorers Club, and I was like, okay, where are we going with this? <laughs> what is this a prestigious group in New York, apparently, where these explorers would get together? And so he would go to different places around the world, and then he would have these past life regressions, and he would send out a team to go confirm something he said. Like, if you go oh, uh-huh. find the, this town, and then go find a church, you'll find a secret entrance on this side. Others would check on these descriptions, and every time. It checked out. Oh,
1: great! Except
0: sometimes they had to come back and say we didn't see it, and then he'd say, "Oh, well, the town was actually fifty miles east," and then they would go what? do it.
1: Oh my god! This is the
0: example he gave me of you know very good proof of this past life regression. Awful. I did ask, can multiple thetans live inside of one body? Uh-huh. And he said, "I guess theoretically, but I don't think that's like a, a really common thing." Which again, I think Scientology later on uh-huh. would teach you differently. Yeah,
1: I think that's right.
0: Uh, it was interesting to hear his answer that that didn't sound familiar to him or he didn't want to tell me about it for whatever And what reason. about
1: conjoined twins? Well,
0: that's a good question. I wish I had thought to ask him that. Mm-hmm.
1: You know how I like to come at people with uh, atypical physical conditions and make them <laughs> make
0: absolutely them deal
1: with them with their strange philosophies.
0: Good for you. And I love this. He says, Well, when I'm trying to kind of get to the the base of this whole mind body disparity thing, he asked me, Well, how do you raise your hand? I say, (gasps) Well, with my brain. Okay, this is all right. You're gonna hate this. (laughs) He said, I said, Well, I you know, use my brain. Signals from my brain go to my hand. He said, Well, a dead body has a brain too, so what's the difference? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so much so much is the difference yeah and
0: it's one of those questions that like the answer to it is so, so complicated yeah it's and, and it's just such an ignorant statement right it's like well where do i even start with this right and for him that was like a little victory like aha
1: right that's like when roger and i were talking and he was like oh so some scientists just got together and decided that if you sleep more you can think better exactly and I, like, whoa whoa like, whoa well, no. Okay, they got together and they... Oh, they <laughs> do I have to explain the scientific method for you? Put them in three groups. Okay, so the first group... <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean. Oh, and then another favorite moment is that he was then telling me that uh, Thetan has the ability to control things in the environment because if it can control a body, then why not, you know, like that g- glass on the table? Mm. And I was like, oh, well, can people do that in Scientology? He's like, well, theoretically, yes. I was mm. like, well... But actually, has that been done? He said, "Oh well, there's this one course where, like, you actually do like move an object with your mind, and it's like a a matchstick floating in water. So it's a very subtle thing."
1: What? <laughs> no. Bad. The second half. Bad.
0: The second half of the sentence was even better because he's he said, "But for some reason, they don't offer that course anymore." <laughs> But it's like, really, you're making all these bold claims, and you can't give me like one person who can move a matchstick without water, right? Something. And
1: apparently, not even with it anymore. Right. (laughs) Oh my god, (sighs) this is like a very bad Facebook fight. You know when (laughs) someone posts something. And then their aunt from North Dakota pipes in, and she has a real dumb, bad opinion. Uh And then you're like, ah, I don't think that's true. Here's a study to counter your point. And then she's like, I don't like that. So here's another point. And just keeps moving the goalposts, but she's never checking her sources, and it just gets you having to check the sources every single second, and you're doing all of the work.
0: Oh, It's my cousin from Idaho.
1: See, Scientology is your cousin from Idaho. Mm -hmm. That's a
0: very astute point, Carrie Poppy. Thank you. So he let me ask him a lot of obscure stuff. What were thetans doing before there were bodies to inhabit? They were creating shit.
1: Oh, so did he, he use the S yes word? Yeah, he did. Oh, good for him.
0: And uh, so there's tons more material on this in LRH's lectures. And he said, I'm not trying to withhold any of it because it's like higher level or anything. Just we have a limited time. And this is where I respect like, oh, he wants to move on with this course. Good yeah. for you. Thank God. So we move on. And then he said to me, I don't mean this as an insult. You're a very well-adjusted human being. <laughs> <laughs> I said, doesn't sound like an insult. <laughs> he continued. But as a thetan you're in bad shape.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The level you're living at is so much lower than you could be at. It's like an ant not knowing that you could be a man.
1: Why is it always the ant? Why are we always picking on those goddamn ants?
0: Because they're tiny but not they're so tiny. tiny that we can't see them.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, no, I know. You're right, you're right.
0: I said, well, can you then point to people who are living these maximal lives that you speak of? Uh-huh. I'm wondering if he's going to mention Tom Cruise or something. But like, really? Are there people in Scientology who are just living such wonderful lives that uh-huh. I really should emulate? Because, you know, I like... That's pretty good. He's saying, oh, well, I'm not saying you can't be successful if you're not a Scientologist, but you can just move to such a higher level. You could be so much more creative than so you are didn't now. So he did give you an example. He did. He nah. gave me the example of Grant Cardone. <laughs> Who is a great sales guy, and he got even better when he became a Scientologist. And so I quickly looked him up. He's like a motivational speaker, and I guess he earns millions. And he's got slick back hair, like uh, Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Yeah, or Christian Bale and American Psycho. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so Gross. Uh, he looks like a real. I, I don't know. I I don't know anything else about him except that I'm sure he could be a perfectly nice guy. Nothing. Uh. A- nothing against Grant Cardone, but that was his example of like the uh, the realized human that I could be if I just became a Scientologist. So yeah, he flattered me some more, told me how extremely intelligent I am. That's obvious. And you're highly aware, but you're very unaware of yourself and you're working with a lot of bad information about the mind.
1: A lot of MUs.
0: Yeah, right. So we took another break at that point. He told me more about the building itself. We talked about the design. They use a design firm called Gensler. So he's telling me all about how they, um, uh, they provide all of those designs and also right. discounts on furniture for them. Uh, but one interesting point of fact was he said that all the money for the buildings comes from the parishioners uh-huh. and that they earn $10 million in the past year from donations uh, that go in towards upkeep of just the local org he showed me a bunch of uh, cool photos of his mountain view org they were like mock-ups from from ginsler showing what it was going to look like in the future and there was an office for lrh really beautiful looking no one's ever going to touch Yep. Maybe. Then we started into another video. It was all about the mind stuff. And all of the stuff we cover in Dianetics. So we'll we'll teach you more about the reactive mind and all that next time.
1: It's really good, you guys.
0: Yeah, there was more. Actually, there was like another hour to the class, but I will tell you now the class ended up being eight hours.
1: Oh, okay. Instead
0: of the five. Or six. six. He let me ask some more questions at the end. He was really good about answering all my crazy questions. And uh, I was asking him about the clear process and how you become clear. And so apparently there is a clear certainty rundown. And it's a confidential process. So he doesn't even know kind of what all the parameters of it are. And he won't be able to tell me anyway. And it's administered by clears, you know, just to make Uh sure that gets preserved. But yeah, there's supposed to be some real criteria by which they know if you're clear or not. Okay.
1: Interesting. A little clear test.
0: Who knows what it is? But yeah, that's why Scientology exists, to make you clear.
1: If that were all, then people would be done after clear. But instead, they start doing these crazy OT things.
0: Right. So I asked him, like, oh, and then you're done, Uh knowing that that's not true. But he said, once you're clear, now you can operate as a thetan. So that's the OT levels. Ah. Yeah. Now you learn how to become an operating thetan.
1: That's okay. I always knew that OT meant operating thetan, but I never really understood that phrase. That makes sense. Yeah. And so
0: you can't run any of those activities if you have a reactive mind, it would be too dangerous. And so that's why these are kind of confidential. They don't want to hurt people. Well, that's, good, 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 good. It's always been an L. Ron Hubbard thing. You read this book and you'll throw yourself off of a ledge because right, uh, right. just can't handle it. It's a whole Excalibur thing. So yeah, he said that right now there's up to OT8, but there will be more released and they've already been written. And I think it goes up to like OT15.
1: Written by L.R.H.? Yeah. Hmm, yeah. Okay. And he
0: said, we're ready to release the next one. We have all the materials and everything. We're just waiting for, I guess, L. Ron Hubbard had written in certain criteria that the church has to meet like Ah. membership numbers or something like that. Okay. And then they can release OT9. And this was cool. He told me the name of OT9.
1: Ah, what is it?
0: Orders of Magnitude. Okay. And then OT10 is Character.
1: Oh, okay. But
0: yeah, it goes up even higher, all the way to OT15. It's like like Undiscovered Elements on the periodic table or something. Eventually, we're going to get to these things.
1: This is pure speculation based on absolutely nothing. But I, it would be fun to know if all these things really are written, or if like David Miscavige is just like, "Oh yeah, I've got them. I've got them. They're in my little trunk."
0: I've my- wondered that yeah. too. Yeah, and I could I could easily see it going either way.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I'm. That's based on you know literally no evidence, so I'm not making a claim here.
0: Yeah, but- I don't have a clear. Expectation, even on um, which is true. But,
1: right. Yeah. Sitting uh, here.
0: So, yeah, then we wrapped up. He told me that uh, the goal of Scientology is just to help a person live a better life by their own estimation. Okay. That's what it's all about.
1: Great. And to get them so, clear. So, did this make you feel more efficient?
0: No, this had what nothing this to, do to do with, do with efficiency. efficiency.
1: <whistles> That's my response.
0: But it will help me to be more capable of living a better life and playing a better game.
1: Oh, good. And that's
0: really what it's all about from an exteriorized point of view. Which- so.
1: May or may not be good, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so then I wrote out my exercise nine, then I wrote out my wins and success form, and then I got to leave.
1: Which well, they make you fill out. They're just like, write <laughs> down your successes. Uh huh. It's just presented to you just like as a given that you have them.
0: <laughs> right, and then of course there's no like, write down any problems that you had or things that could have been better.
1: It's so weird how they do it too. Like they're like, write down your successes and you're like, okay. And you, you're expecting it to be sort of not quite anonymous, but like you're not going to look at this right now. And then they always look at it right then. They read and it then in what, front of you yeah, and comment like, on it. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so, so then after the first how objective one, are you going to be or how right, honest are you going to be? after the first be?
1: one you know that game and then you just start like, yeah. You play a better game. But then that also means that all the forms they're collecting are going to have more and more complementary things, which gets them more you know material to right? promote
0: so yeah then i was taken out and pitched on more f- further courses that i could do in the future <laughs> and uh we'll tell you about all of those other more expensive options uh next time
1: so were you the only person in the class the whole time oh yeah
0: this was another just me and ben wonderful for eight hours the little um cheese and cracker break oh i got an apple at one point that was nice
1: so, uh, I was
0: really hungry by the end of it and I, I did get like irritable like uh-huh. in kind of the middle of the class during the whole be do have thing. Uh-huh. I remember like I yeah. was like okay, I need to get control over myself because I was feeling like oh, upset.
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs>
0: It is annoying. Um,
1: Our other things that we're going to jump to in the next few episodes kind of depart from this a little bit. They're not just going to be classes, although the Dianetics one is class-based. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look forward to some new, even weirder adventures. And also, speaking of weird adventures, Yeah. Anyone who hasn't heard our firewalking episode, what you doing, pal? What you doing?
0: Oh, man. It's Uh, so fun. This was one of the most painful experiences of my adult life. Yeah. And I learned a few things doing a firewalk that I did not know before.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good episode, and it's for donors only. So if you haven't become a member at Maximum Fun, uh, you can go to maximumfun.org forward slash donate.
0: And as much as I hate to say, it, you might want to wait until Max Fun Week. Sure, because There's you'll get some-, some extra cool things as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So. Come March 14th, we'll be in Max Fundrive and you'll be able to get, yeah, real cool presents for either joining or for upgrading. And these are only for recurring donors. So if you go in and donations. Exactly. So if you go in and you give a one time donation, awesome. Thank you so much. But it won't get you access to our premium content. So go in, even if you give five bucks a month, it still gets you the premium content. And that's not just ours, that's every show on the network. Yep, yep, yep. Well, Ross. I guess that's it for our show.
0: Our theme music is written by Brian Keith Dalton.
1: Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer.
0: Find us on the web at MaximumFun.org and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Onrack. O-N-R-A-C. You can find lots of pictures there and links we post and interact with us.
1: True Dad.
0: Head over to Facebook.
1: Another great way that you can help us is to go on iTunes and leave us a positive review. You just say, hey, hey, I like the show. Thumbs up. Keep it going. And that's good for us.
0: Or wherever your podcasts are collected, leave us a positive review there. Tell your friends. And remember...
1: For example, man has a bad leg. He's trying to get well. He seeks then to create a good leg. The result is to wipe out the original good leg, since that is the creation he is taking over and exposing with his efforts to get well. He wants a good leg. The trouble with him is the counter-creation of a bad leg. The test is factual. Have him create, by a certain Scientology process, bad legs until the counter-creation of Bad Legs is wiped out. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck that means. (laughs) It's so dumb.
0: Are you troubled by a lack of astute yet dick-joke-filled analysis of bad movies? Do you experience feelings of laughter and enjoyment when you hear three friends go off on stupid tangents? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, ghost, or totally rad party-dude house cat who really only exists as a sound effect? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then pick up your podcast listening device of choice and subscribe to The Professionals. The, the Flophouse. Our award-winning and usually only a little drunk staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your bad movie podcast needs. The, the Flophouse. We're, We're ready to make you laugh in public so that, that other people look at you funny. Hit it! I'm pretty sure we don't have the rights to this song. MaximumFun.org